0: Let me first of all just say it's, uh, it's a real privilege and a joy to be in chapel today. I think it's the first time I've preached at ADC Chapel in the Manning Chapel. So that's kind of a bonus. It's kind of fun to be here. Uh, but I, I want to bring you greetings. Some bring you greetings first of all on behalf of the Board of Ministerial Standards and Education. Some of you already know they're meeting at the Old O. Some of you have already been there. Some of you are on your way there. And... Uh, and the board is meeting this week and not only meeting with uh, students and people who are headed towards ministry uh, in a Baptist family in Atlantic Canada, but also some who are coming to us from another family. And so there are lots of meetings going on, both yesterday today, and I think we finish up tomorrow. So I bring you greetings on behalf of the board. Let me bring you greetings on behalf of our president. Reverend Wayne Murphy, and Wayne is serving this year, doing a great job as President of the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada and our family of almost 460 churches in all four Atlantic provinces, from Happy Valley, Goose Bay, to to, uh, Lockport, Nova Scotia, and all points in between and uh, we're we're just part of a big family and we're excited that the ADC uh, and Acadia is part of our family as well and let me also extend congratulations to Dr. Anna Robbins and to ADC for this wonderful appointment both um, wonderful in so many ways but we're just thrilled that uh, Anna will be the next president of Acadia Divinity College I think an excellent choice even if I was on the search committee <laughs> uh, we're, we're very excited and, and uh, you know there is a sadness uh, Dr. Gardner is a close friend of mine I was his pastor I've sat in his living room and played way too many ridiculously crazy games and I walked with him uh, in, in the hills of northern Israel and and uh, have been friends for many many years and i know that he has given stellar leadership uh, and leaves things in great shape for anna as she steps into this role so again just congratulations but i really came to preach and that's what i want to do and i'm going to try to respect your time and try to get this done in as short a time as i possibly can um, also, I've broken all the rules, even the homiletical rules, uh, in terms of the passage, where we started, where we stopped. But, of course, the people who uh, did some of the later translations did the same because they should never have stopped at verse 21 and started a new chapter. So I'm not the only one that's got it wrong, okay? <laughs> um, but But let me just begin by talking to you about... This idea of the ministry of reconciliation. You know, there are many wonderful words in the New Testament that describe the redemptive activity of God. But I think one of my favorite words is the word reconciliation. And it is a word that I think is absolutely critical, crucial and and important in the culture in which we live today. And just the things that are happening around us in the world The idea of reconciliation. But let me just set the context again a little bit. As you know, the Apostle Paul. In the first letter to the Corinthian church, he was a little tough on them, he was rebuking them, he was giving them a hard time, and of course, I think they deserved it a little bit, you know, there were there was sexual immorality going on in the church, people were getting drunk at communion, there was divisions and squabbling and all kinds of nasty things happening in this church, and he wrote to correct and rebuke the church, and then Second Corinthians comes along, we know there were other letters probably, uh, we do not have recorded in our, our canon, but in this letter, Paul is now writing. I think he's extending a bit of an olive branch. He's he's reaching out to to uh, encourage them in some ways. But he's also writing to defend his own ministry as an apostle. As someone who is faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he'd been criticized. And some people said, he's not really an apostle. He's certainly not a super apostle. And he's really not all that great. And and there were all kinds of things being said about Paul. And he's writing to defend himself. And I love earlier in this chapter where he says, look, if we sound crazy, well, that's for the glory of God. If we sound like we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. And he's defending his own apostleship and his ministry among them. And then we come to verse 16. And this is the one that really, uh, I really want us to stop and think about. Uh, He says, so we have stopped evaluating people from a worldly point of view. Oh, would to God that I were able to do that. Right? Because Paul was doing it. This idea of reconciliation. We live in a world of brokenness. We live in a world where there are broken relationships, there are broken families, there are broken systems, there are broken even political systems. And I, I was going to, I think I still will use an example from British politics. Although after what happened in our House of Commons yesterday, I could easily use that example as well. But I don't know if anybody else saw this, and I, I emailed to say. Um, do we have capability of video in this room? And apparently not. So I can't use the video I wanted to show you. But I don't know how many saw this. This is not recent. This probably goes back to January. The Speaker of the House of the British Parliament. Does anybody know this story? Like this guy, I love him. John Burkow. He's amazing. And uh, there's one little video clip. you got to look it up sometime. And he's trying to get order. This is after one of the Brexit votes. One of the many Brexit votes, right? And of course they lost the vote and and everything's going crazy in the house, and he's trying to gain order. And I love this guy because he starts out this way. He goes, and it just goes on and on. I'm like, I like this guy already. He's really cool. And and then he just starts dressing people down. Like right, like people are yelling and there's stuff going on in the in the parliament, and he's saying all kinds of crazy things. And he just looks at this guy and he says. You're better than this. You're better than this. I could expect uh, better behavior from you in this house. What are you doing? You're yelling at one another. And I'm like, yes, I like this guy a lot. There is a desperate need for reconciliation. We have broken systems, broken lives, broken homes, broken families, relationships between family members, colleagues, There's a sense that we live in a world of brokenness. And then Paul writes these words. He says, for what Paul learned was that he was no longer regarding people from a worldly point of view. What does he mean? I don't know. I think what he means is this. Or at least to me, it's what he means. I I am so quick to make judgments. I am so quick to criticize. I am so quick to judge, not just your actions, but your motives. I look at you, and I already know where you're coming from, and obviously I'm right, and my motives are pure, and my actions are pure, but I don't know about you. And I'm quick to judge. We criticize. We feel slighted. We get offended easily. We hold on to our hurts. We want to get even with other people. Someone slights us. Now I know you've never done this, but I, I feel like I have. I thought, boy, they've got to come back to me first. I'm not gonna go. Yeah. Hell will freeze over before I go. To make things right. This person slighted me. This person is the guilty party. Now, again, you've never done that. And I know we often quote in this passage, verse 17. It talks about we become new creations. And God is transforming us and changing us. But really, what I want to draw your attention to in this passage today is is where Paul makes this astounding statement. Beginning in verse 19, if, if you have a Bible and you want to look at it, it begins in verse 19, Paul says, And all of this, this, all that we have in Christ, is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us the ta- this task of reconciling people to himself. And in verse 19, I love this. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. God was in Christ. We could stop there. I could stop there and preach. God was in Christ. This is the incarnation. This is God coming to us. This is God condescending. This is God not waiting for us. This is God not folding his arms saying, hell will freeze over before I make things right with those people. They've offended me. No, this is God was in Christ. The one who condescended, the one who came, the one who pitched his tent among us, the one who came and became one of us. For what purpose? For what reason? Well, look at what it says. For God was in Christ, what? Reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he came humbly. He came to seek us out. He came when we not only didn't deserve, but didn't want Him. We were were still running away. We were still thumbing our nose. He came. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Here's the thing. God didn't wait for us to repent. God didn't wait for us to get it right. God didn't wait for us to acknowledge the broken relationship. God didn't wait until we admitted that somehow we'd screwed up, that we're not living in right relationship with God. God set out to reconcile the world to himself. But God is the offended party here. Don't kid yourself. Thank God he's not like us. Thank God he's not like us. We usually wait for the offender to come and make things right. Right. There are broken relationships with children. There are broken relationships with parents. There are broken relationships with colleagues and friends. There are broken relationships in the very systems that make up the world that you and I live in. But God doesn't wait for us to come to our senses. God doesn't wait for us to repent and ask forgiveness. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. But then it gets even better than that. Look at the latter part of that verse. Verse 19. It says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. No longer counting people's sins against them. This is literally an accounting term. This is a financial accounting term. And if there are any accountants in the building, you get it. You understand this language. No longer counting people's sins against them. When I was growing up, can you hear me if I step away from the mic? I think no. My wife says, Will you stop using your preacher voice? That's usually in the third aisle of Sobey's grocery store or something. <laughs> <laughs> When I was growing up in the big city of Westchester, population 300 people, um, my mom got a job at the local store. We had one store, we had one post office, we had one little tiny garage where you could get your tires changed and buy a little bit of gas. My mom got a job at the white African store. It was like the size of a convenience store, but it was our grocery store, folks store. And she got a job there, working behind the counter as a clerk, And uh, I used to hang out sometimes at the store with her after school, wait to go home with her. And I got to watch people. I loved being a people watcher as a kid. And I got to watch people come into the store. And what I noticed is people would come and buy their groceries at this little store. They wouldn't buy a whole lot, but they'd come and buy some groceries. And then they'd bring them up to to pay for their groceries or whatever. And I'll never forget the day that Alfred Moore came in and said, I want six bottles of vanilla, my wife's bacon cake. Now, if you're younger, you don't even get this joke. Uh, real pure vanilla is 35% alcohol, folks, just saying. And Alfred had a pension for vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> good. Needless to say, they didn't sell him six bottles of vanilla. <laughs> uh, but what would happen is they would come with their groceries, and they bring them up to the counter where my mom was, and they would look at my mom and they'd say, Ruth, put it on my tab. And what does that mean? Put it on my tab. It meant that behind the counter there was a book. And most people didn't pay for their groceries up front, they wrote it in this little accounting book that was called the tab. But somewhere along the way, On your tab, they were all on your account. But you see, this passage says, God is not counting people's sins against him. You see, it's as though it's as though God is like the great storekeeper in the sky, and he just literally rips the page out of the book and crumples it up and throws it in the trash can. And you're clear and free. All of those sins, all those those things that that we have done to break relationship with other people are forgiven and we're set free. Not counting people's sins against them. But then Paul says, We, Paul the, the apostle and the other apostles, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation, and he said, We are Christ's ambassadors. So God was making His appeal through us. An ambassador, official definition of ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by one sovereign or state to another as its resident representative. We are Christ's ambassadors. And if Paul could say that about himself and about the Apostles, then I need to say to you, this is also for you and for me. We we are called to become Christ's ambassadors. An ambassador to your family, an ambassador to your community, an ambassador to the relationships that you hold, wherever they are. We have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Too often, folks, I am not like Paul. I regard people in a worldly way. Do you know what Paul could say in chapter 6? That's the other part that we didn't even get to and won't get to. But do you know what he said at one point in chapter 6? He goes down the list of all the the trouble, the the bad things that have happened. But do you know what he says? I love this. He just says at one point, he says, you know what? I I don't really care anymore. People slander me. They say bad things about me. We're just going to go serve Christ anyway. Because he was not bound by that worldly way of thinking. Wouldn't it be nice to be there? Okay. Some of you are already there. I'm I'm the I'm the sinner here. The other thing I wish we could have put up on the screen is I have a picture of two young men. Well, they're not quite so young anymore. But some of you remember the story of the terrible, terrible genocide that happened in Rwanda in 1994 when over 800,000 people were slaughtered in this horrendous genocide that made no sense to people as we looked on. But I have a picture of two men, Calixt, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, and Andrew. Before the genocide, they were friends, they were bosom buddies. But something happened during the genocide, and they were, they were ripped apart And on either side of this horrendous issue. And Calixt was actually involved in terrible crimes and murder. And some of Andrew's family was actually murdered by Calixt and his companions. And he went to prison for it. Spent many years in prison, and now he's out of prison and through Christ, an amazing reconciliation has happened. And the picture is of Andrew and Calixt today, arm in arm, smiles on their faces. God has reconciled in a horrendous, I, I can't even imagine what they have experienced. And yet God has brought reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. One pastor from Rwanda, not not the two men I'm speaking about, but another pastor in Rwanda who now goes, travels talking about reconciliation said, he said, you see, in every country, people get wounded. And if you've been watching the news, hello? People get hurt. They need to forgive. They need to reconcile, says Antoine, this pastor. Today, he's a pastor in Kigali. And he's an author and an international speaker. And he says this. He said, your life becomes better when you repent, confess, and reconcile. My dear friends, I don't know who you need to reconcile with today. Maybe there's something in your family, something in one of your friendships, maybe in your, in your circle at work. I don't know. Or at school. But we also need to remember That we have been given this incredible ministry of reconciliation in our world. A world that needs a word of reconciliation. a A world that needs a word of forgiveness. A world that needs someone who will say, let's bring people together. Let's bring people back to God. May we be ambassadors and agents of reconciliation. May we hear the call of Christ to put aside our worldly thinking to not only be like Paul, but that we would be like Jesus. God bless you.